0: at gracekettering.org thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode hebrews chapter number four um the message guide should be a help to you this evening if you received that on the way in hebrews chapter number four and we're going to read a few verses here just as a start i'm not i'm not walking through these verses i do i will reference one of them in specific as we go through Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12 for the word of God is quick and powerful aren't you thankful for that it's quick it's alive and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit Have you ever had the word of God pierce into your heart and like really in a nuanced way get down to the, the root of a matter, you know what it's talking about. So it divides, it divides that, it's very very discerning, in the joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now notice this verse. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. What profession? Our profession of faith in him, who he is, that he is God, that he is the Savior, that he is our high priest, the one who's made um, that atoning sacrifice for us. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. So he's sinless and he also is able to empathize because he walked in our, in our shoes. He, he walked where we walked. He lived, lived our life. So he's able to, he was touched with all those feelings. He, he, he understands them. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so, We are told, knowing that we have this high priest, we can come right into his throne room, into the throne room of God, and we can ask for help, and he will help us. He knows our infirmities, he knows our weaknesses, and he will help us as we ask him. Let's pray and ask the Lord to give us help tonight, as well as the other classes across the building. Father, thank you for uh, your word. Thank you that it is alive, and that it is uh, such a discerner of our thoughts and intents. Lord, how it gets right down to the root of issues. And uh, we need your word to do that in our hearts even this evening. We need, we need the discernment that your word gives. So I pray that you would use your word to strengthen us. And I also ask that for our teenagers and children as they hear your word this evening. Lord, there are, are some that need to receive you as Savior. And so I pray that your word would work in their heart effectively and they would respond in faith and receive you uh, even even tonight. I pray that you give each worker just the discernment to know how you're working in hearts. pray that you give attentiveness to your word. And Lord, may we not just be hearers of your word, but doers of your word. And I pray that for all ages, Lord, help us to be doers of your word. Strengthen us tonight, we ask, and help us to please you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, how many of you garden? So It's not a majority here. Right, okay, but um, you understand that it's important to uh, pull weeds um, from time to time, and if you don't pull weeds, it's going to take over the garden. Um, there are some times that, uh, that people can be all about pulling weeds, right, that's all they do, uh, and rather than focusing on growing plants, but there are times that we have to pull weeds, and if there's ever a time like, this thing seems really high, it's going to annoy me. Maybe uh, I'll just have to leave it. I'm sorry for getting distracted, squirrel. <laughs> but sometimes you got to pull some weeds, and other times you just got to focus in on, play, um, um, you know, putting the miracle grow out and fertilizing and, and just helping the things to, to go along. Tonight's uh, lesson really is one of these moments. I just want to pull a couple of uh, of weeds, maybe that perhaps you're not even fami- uh, familiar with. I'm going to make you familiar with it, and I hope I don't. Uh, I hope I help help make us more uh, settled in the gospel is, is the goal tonight. Um, how many of you have heard over the last couple days um, maybe about this ad uh, that was played at the Super Bowl entitled, He Gets Us? Okay, I want to talk about that for a little bit. And I, I, I want to talk about it through the lens of Scripture. I mentioned on Sunday night how important doctrine is. Doctrine is extremely important. We live in a day where where um, the church has become increasingly uh, weak in doctrine, so we need to look at everything through Scripture. So there, there could be a case, and even as you, if you've watched this, the the music, everything just kind of pulls you in. The pictures pull you in, and there's a little bit of an emotion that's wrapped up in there. But uh, do understand that a lot of people saw this this religious ad. I'll call it a religious a religious ad. In fact, um, this Super Bowl uh, had. Nearly the highest watch or uh, spectators um, uh, on TV uh, since 1969, when the Apollo, um, uh, it, when the Apollo was uh, broadcast in 1969, they, then they had 125 million viewers to 150 million. Uh, this Super Bowl had 123 million watching on TV. So it was a it was it was quite a event. And so this ad that was played, there were two of them that were played at the Super Bowl uh, or on TV in most of the markets. Two times, it was quite an expensive ad, some $17.5 million to, to play, um, play these ads. That's, that's, a, that's a good chunk of money, um, and ads, uh, ad costs have gone quite up. But uh, they, were, they were played there, and it, it depicts a bunch of different peoples um, from different groups washing one another's feet. And so you walk all the way through and you have these different people groups um, from differing backgrounds, um, immigrants, um, uh, ladies sitting outside of an abortion clinic. Um, you have just these different, these different uh, um, people groups washing feet, police officer washing an african americans um, feet, and et cetera. So it's depicting these different uh, factions in society and them washing one another's feet. And it's interesting because it, it ends, and and the it it really presents Christ as it comes to the end. It does use the word Jesus, but it presents uh, Christ really as a an example, one who washed feet. And it ends with a statement that Jesus didn't teach hate; he washed feet. He gets us, he gets all of us. And it called for people basically to follow the example of Jesus. You say, where are you going with this? Is it okay to to have an ad that says? Just follow the example of Jesus. Now, remember, the audience is primarily—it's intended for an unsaved or skeptical audience, and so the the, the punch of it is—is is, uh, look at Jesus as an example, and you see all these factions in society love like he loved, love your neighbor like he loved, wash one another's feet, or humbly serve uh, serve one another. And that's a great moral lesson that we can certainly learn from Jesus. Now, if you if you go to john 13 and you go through john 13 you realize that jesus was trying to teach his disciples to wash and um, wash one another's feet and to humbly serve one another as as disciples and you even remember when peter um said this uh well don't just wash my feet but wash me all and jesus said hold on if you've been washed you don't need anything but your feet washed what was jesus typifying on there he was typifying if you've been saved, you don't, you, you don't need to be resaved all, all the time. So there was a message there that Jesus was say, uh, saying. But if you are saved, there are times you need to come. You need to be, you need to be washed. Um, but the primary lesson there was this. You need to serve as I've served you. Now, that's that's great. And you can tell the world that all day long. But just serving humbly doesn't make you a follower of Jesus Christ. Do we understand that? Now... Um, let's zero in on this. If you were to uh, go to one of those, those uh, dictionaries that tries to uh, define an idiom or an expression in society, have you ever had somebody tell you, I get you, I get you. You ever had that, someone say that to you? Well, what are they saying to you? I understand. I mean, I think we, we basically get it. So the, 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 the focus of this was to say, Jesus understands you. Jesus understands you. He understands all of us. And is that true? Yes, I'm grateful that Jesus understands us. And so what I I do want to to deal with is I went a little bit further after kind of I heard about this last year and I went a little bit further and I've uh, I've stewed on a little bit and uh, gone into the ad to, to try to see what is what's driving all of this. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to lay some of that out for us uh, tonight. But we understand that essentially they're, they're, they're spending a lot of money to say, Jesus gets you, Jesus understands you, all right? And so we understand that as a, as a baseline that he understands and knows us intimately. One, uh, one um, article mentioned that the He Gets Us ad centered around rebranding Jesus for a contemporary world. And it really is, because we have all these factions in society Jesus doesn't teach hate. He teaches us to wash feet. You just all get along. Be like Jesus, just all get, a, get along. And I even noticed that um, in, the, in the picture of the, the feet being washed outside the abortion clinic, there was a group of people that were uh, over to the side with their signs down, you know, uh, the people that stand outside and pray for abortion to end, their signs down, while well, this person is just washing, washing feet. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to serve, and we should serve people. We should serve like Jesus served, shouldn't we? We should love unconditionally. We should. But we do need to make sure that we test everything by doctrine. And so the Bible tells us in 1 John 4 and verse number 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. God is not the author of confusion, it says in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse number 33. So the gospel is to be a clear and certain sound. We are to trumpet the gospel in this this day and age and the gospel not will not always be wanted It will always cause one of two reactions. It will all, uh, always be either received or rejected But people are not left neutral Every time you give the gospel to a person they either receive it or reject it And so it is important that we understand uh, that we should be like Jesus. Yes but the reality is, you can't love like Jesus until the love of the Lord Jesus or to the life of the Lord Jesus is within you. I can't love like Jesus loved um, sacrificially until the Holy Spirit resides in me. And his, the fruit of the Spirit, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. And you, you know the rest of the fruit of the Spirit. And so it's important for us to realize we can't just teach morals to society and expect that to change society. They need Jesus. It's very, very important. So... I understand that there's, there's a desire to try to, to talk to the skeptics and, and get them interested, but Paul said something very interesting to, uh, to the Corinthians. He says, I, I didn't use cunning words of man's wisdom. I didn't, I didn't try to connive you into believing in Jesus Christ. And there's a real sense in our day in which we live that we feel like we need to help the gospel by shielding the gospel, trying to couch it, and, and get it on its way. And I'm going to share this illustration now my dad, I, I remember this. I don't know when it happened, but we used to have dogs growing up. We used to have this uh, uh, a Siberian Husky with blue eyes, like those those ice blue eyes. Name was Sage. We had a we had a, a German Shepherd that was, his name was Taya, and uh, I had a, a mixed uh, um, mutt that was named uh, a Breezer. I just remember one time my dad trying to feed heartworm medicine to the dogs. You know how that goes? Like a, one of those big round pills. That just doesn't go very well. But I do remember him trying to do it and stuffing that thing inside of a donut and giving it to the dog. You know, sometimes people think we have to, we have to help the gospel out. Like we actually have to help out the good news. Let's, let's stuff it inside of a, a wrapping. Let's figure out how to wrap the gospel up and make it palatable for our world. We don't need to help out the gospel. The gospel in and of itself is good news. And any, no matter how much money you put around it, if we're having to help out the gospel, we're probably tampering with the gospel. And so um, let's, let's talk about this for a second. Let's answer this question. Does Jesus get us? We have already answered yes. He understands us. He created us, and he understands us perfectly. Uh, Genesis 2-7 says he put into our nostrils the very breath of life. Belshazzar was told by Daniel you have god's breath in your lungs you haven't glorified god but you have god's breath in your lungs revelation tells us in chapter 4 and verse 11 that the lord is worthy and he is worthy of our of our praise because he's created all things you and i are created by him uh, Psalm 139 tells us that we can't go anywhere apart from the presence of God. He knows us. He knows our, our downsitting. He knows our, up, um, our uprising. He knows when we go to bed. He knows our thoughts afar off. He knew us when we were in the womb, before we are shaped in the womb, uh, before we are conceived. He knew us. He knows all things intimately about us. And we read that verse, Hebrews chapter 4, and verse number 13. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. There's no creature that's not made open to him, or accessible to him. And then there's a couple words that are um, very interesting to use. But all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Well, I think those are pretty clear words, don't you think? But naked is the idea to be easily understood or to be seen through. To Be easily understood. What is the Bible telling us? In fact, where some of this, this campaign comes from is the idea of we have a high priest that has been touched with the feelings of our, he, he knows our infirmities, but he's, he's been tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. So some of it comes from there, but the reality is, yes, he does understand us. We are open to him. We are naked before him in that, in that sense. Easily understood. That word is only used here in the New Testament. It's, a, it's an interesting word. So God knows what we're going through. He he knows everything about us. He knows the nuances. We can't say, well, no one gets me. No, God gets us. Yes, he does. And it's open. It's exposed. It's it's the idea to be completely exposed. It's it's the idea to be overpowered is one idea of the word open, to be overpowered and kind of held in exposure. So everyone is naked and open to God. Jesus understood the woman at the well's condition. He must needs pass through Samaria, but he knew everything about her. And when he sat down there, it didn't take long for Jesus to get to the point. He did not say, hey, listen, I, I, you know, I affirm you in everything you, you do. I know you have a rough life. He very, very quickly got to the root of the matter, which was she was unsatisfied, spiritually unsatisfied. And, and he said to her, if you knew who was sitting next to you, you would ask him for a drink of water and he would give you living water and when you would drink of that living water, you would never thirst again. Like it was clear. And very quickly there, he gets to, when she starts throwing all of her religious stuff, and he goes, you know what? You know what? Uh, I, I know you. And then he, and she, she talks about um, you know, I, I I'm I'm not I'm married right now, and well, I know that you've had five relationships, and gets right to the crux of the matter. And what was this? Jesus did know everything about her, he did, but he did not affirm her in that. He did say, "You need something that I have." He didn't wait, you know, three months before he said that to her. He didn't lead her down a trail before he. He said that right away. And what happened? She goes right in this city, and what does she say? Come meet a man that knows everything about me. Knows everything about me. And, and the Bible says as, she, as they come back out, they, they, they believed on him because of her word, but they believed more because once they heard him. So it was very, very interesting that Jesus did not just say, you know what, I know you've had a hard life, relationships haven't gone well, but I affirm you, I get you. No, he didn't leave her there. In fact, if he had only said, I get you, I understand that your life is hard, he would have left her hopeless. There's no, there's no hope in that. But he didn't. I have living water for you. Aren't you thankful that Jesus didn't just understand where you were in life, but that he gave you, he gave you hope. He gave you himself. And when he looks at the multitudes, yes, he empathizes with them. The Bible says he looked at the multitudes, Matthew 9, 36, and he was moved with compassion. Why? Because they were wandering about as sheep not having a shepherd. So yes, he understands their true spiritual condition, and he does care about that. So while Jesus gets us, that does not mean he is okay with where we're at. And that's one of the issues in our culture right now, is everyone wants, they want you to be okay, and they want Jesus to be okay with where they're at. Now let me make this statement. We live in a progressive culture that is demanding our active affirmation. Active affirmation of who they are, what they say, and what they do. And they're wanting you to affirm their gender confusion. They're wanting you to affirm their lifestyle. They're wanting that affirmation, and they want it from you. One of the things this ad did is is really pit pit, uh, Jesus against his followers in the world. Hey, Jesus isn't, isn't one of those that preach truth and preach hate, which isn't hate to preach truth, right? So uh, th- there's, a, there's a pitting that is going on. The progressive culture that we live in wants affirmation, and they're not going to be content until they get that affirmation. And we're going to deal with that as Christians in this, in this day and age. They are, they're calling for that. They don't want, they don't want to hear, hey, You're a sinner that's fallen short. Now, I am thankful there are people in this city and in your community and your workplace that are hungry for truth and hungry for that message. And so don't let the mass or what we see on the big screen uh, cause us to think that there's no one out there seeking. They are seeking, and we need to look for them. But affirmation eliminates the the need for a mission of sin. I just affirm you. I, I get where you are. Well, wait a minute. At some point, that woman as well had to realize, I'm a sinner in need of him. My worship and all my father's worship up on this mountain, it doesn't do any good. I need Jesus. Uh, Affirmation eliminates the need for salvation and transformation. Well, I just affirm you. Okay? So where do we go from here? So do we go around just affirming, Jesus gets you. Jesus gets you. Now, um, years ago, this this had caught me, and I haven't forgotten that there was... uh, this, is, this just shows kind of the creep of, of doctrine in churches. But there was a, uh, a notable pastor that had quite a following, and he said this. He said, God is, is not in a hurry to fix us. Our behavior is not his first priority. We are his first priority, loving us, knowing us, and affirming us, protecting us. That is his top goal and main concern. That's supposed to be an evangelical pastor. We got a mess. We got a mess on our hands when that type of stuff... When God's top concern is affirming you. God's top concern is making you into the image of Jesus Christ. You coming to know Jesus and turning, and transforming you to be into the image of Christ. That is His main goal for our lives. But everything relates to His glory. We believe that the glory of God is His highest, His highest, His highest goal. That's what everything is about. We we exist to glorify, glorify God. So we see this this this. Uh, maybe this creep or this subtle adjustment of the gospel. Now, Jesus um, created us, and he understands us perfectly, but he understands us, and we are accountable to him. We are accountable to him. Matthew 12 and verse 36 that says that even our idle words, our careless words, our thoughtless words, will give an account to the Lord for it. And so that's very important to understand. Romans 14 and 12 says, So then every one of us shall give an account of himself, to a god, so our co- our culture really wants, our culture really wants affirmation, but not accountability. They do not want accountability before God. Sinful man does not want to be reminded of the fact I am accountable to my Creator. We deal with this, this, this matter in the, the whole issue of uh, atheism and and the evolution uh, evolutionary movement is that if there's no creator, I don't have someone to whom I'm accountable. Uh, the, the American Humanist Society, their tagline is good without God. There's such a rejection of who God is. that I'm accountable to him. Uh, and and that, that's what our culture desires is affirmation, but not accountability. They're okay with Jesus being preached as long as he's affirming. But the moment that Jesus calls them into account for who they are before a holy God, that's another story. we must be careful not to water down or reshape Jesus or the gospel to the demands of culture. We have to be careful. And we see that. And one of the ways that we have to be careful is we have to be careful about which bandwagon we jump on. The things we say hurrah to. We have to test the spirits and see whether they be of God. There is such a thing as another gospel. Do you believe that? There is such a thing as another gospel. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians 11 and 4. 2 Corinthians 11 and verse number 4. 2 Corinthians 11 and verse number 4. Let's let's look at this together. For if he that cometh preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. But Paul was bringing out with, hey, do you understand that there is an- another Jesus that can be preached? There's another gospel that can be preached. And this is something we need to keep in mind today. Satan loves to bring confusion. And so he can just insert a little bit of a a, a, a shift in in. What is, what is the gospel or Jesus? And he's fine if he is fine if, if Jesus is mentioned, as long as he's redefined, as long as he's affirming. Now, something that I've been thinking about, Satan is happy for Jesus to be promoted as long as he's preached as the one who affirms, not the one who atones. Now, think about this. Jesus Christ came to be the propitiation for our sin. Someone, uh, this is an, uh, a quick pop um, quiz, What does propitiation in the Bible mean? Um, Okay. Okay. So propitiation has the idea of he's the appeasement of wrath. He became the object of wrath. Um, So he, he is the one who God poured out all of his wrath against our sin. He bore it. So he's the propitiation First John talks to us about. But atonement is the idea that he has, he has brought reconciliation. He's brought reconciliation. So we think about this. We are born sinners uh, separated from God, and we need to be reconciled. So the message of culture today, Jesus affirms you in your separation. No, we need, we need his atonement. We need the, the atonement which is him bringing us together, reconciling us with, with, with God. And so this is, this is important for us to understand these subtle differences that we see in, uh, in culture today. Uh, really, when you think about this message that he just simply affirms, it is such a hopeless message. It doesn't save us. It leaves us where we are. Jesus came to rescue us. He came to deliver us. When I found it interesting, you say, well, what about the rest of the, you know, the campaign and so on? If You go into their website. I search the website over. I've asked other people, is there any time where you're asked or given the opportunity to receive Jesus Christ? And it's not. Now, just think about this. Many, many people, if you go out in the street and ask people, did you see that he gets this ad? Many people saw this, and they saw the name of Jesus. CNN's upset that the name of Jesus was on the screen, right? They're upset about that, right? So I'm at least glad for, for the fact that Jesus was out there. Maybe it stirs some people's thoughts up. But friends, Satan is fine with $17 million of ads going up to confuse the message a little bit. He's fine with that. And all I'm trying to say to us is we have to be very, very careful, one, to stay straight in the gospel, but two, to, be, to be, realize we're in quite a battle. We are in a battle for the message of the gospel. Now, the, the gospel is not going to be defeated. Aren't you thankful for that? And, uh, and so we need to believe in its power and use it everywhere that we go. But realize that Satan, Satan is fine with, with kind of the lingo of the Bible as long as he strips the, the true power from it, which the, uh, stripping the power is he affirms you. But no, Jesus is the one who came to be our atonement. The Bible says that in uh, Romans 5 and 11. And not, not only so, but we also joy in God through uh, our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Aren't you thankful there was a day where you were reconciled to God through the blood of Jesus Christ? That's an amazing thing. And so as I as I just surveyed this, I I, I think, what a clever deception. What a clever deception. Jesus does get us. Yet when the message stops there, it's hopeless. There's no salvation. There's no rescue. There's no hope. And that that message is a man-centered act. Jesus is all about affirming you, it's all about you. No, the gospel isn't about you being affirmed. The gospel is about you getting Jesus. And that's what, um, what every man needs. They need Jesus. So shouldn't, really the, the issue be, shouldn't shouldn't man get Jesus? And the answer is, again, yes. Does Jesus get us? Yes, I'm thankful he understands us, but he doesn't leave me there. You know, there's people that, that, that have been through things, maybe that I've been through difficult times, and they come along and they say, I understand what you're going through. And then they go on. And they don't do anything about it. And it doesn't do anything for you. I'm not, I'm not slapping anybody. I don't have anyone in mind. You, you, know, what I'm, you know what I'm saying? They, they just say, I understand. And they go on. So they might well understand, but it doesn't do anything for you until they actually give you a solution or they, they come to your rescue. I'm so thankful that Jesus came to our rescue. He didn't just say, I understand. I understand the lifestyle you're in and and all the angst and the uh, you know how unsatisfied you are in that i understand where you are i understand the guilt that you're you're going through now you didn't just leave us shouldn't man get jesus yes the bible says that if we don't have the spirit of christ in us romans 8 and verse number 9 we're none of his so man can be affirmed by jesus all day long understood by jesus all day long but until man gets jesus there is no transformation until your coworkers get Jesus, until your family members get Jesus, there's no transformation. And what does that start with? How does that work? It needs to start with this, an admission of our condition before, before God. We are indeed sinners. There's none righteous, no, not one, Romans 3.10. One of the hardest admissions for a person to make is that I am a sinner before a holy God. Have you ever watched in giving the gospel someone, someone struggle with that concept? Will I do mistakes? No, you and I are sinners. Sinners, and that makes us accountable before God for that sin. Romans 10 and verse number 3, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. That's Israel. Paul says, my heart and desire is that they would be saved, but they are, they're going around, they're ignorant of the fact that God is absolutely holy and that his holiness demands, if we're going to be in his presence, his holiness demands our holiness, and, and they go about trying to establish their own righteousness by living according to the law. That's what the Pharisees did. Well, I do this, I do this, I do this, I do I, I live it perfectly. Says that's, that's not the way. Go about trying to establish their own righteousness. We live in a culture that, that's still trying to do that, trying to prove to God that they are, they are uh, acceptable to him. I was just giving the gospel to somebody in the last couple of weeks, and uh, I, it came right down there. They didn't end up receiving Christ as of yet, but it came right down there. So what you're saying, that you're, as long as your good works outweigh your bad works, then you're going to be accept, uh, accepted to God. What is that? They're striving to improve their acceptance before God. Um, trying to establish their own righteousness. The rich young ruler, do you remember him? So he goes through this, and Jesus um, repeats all the ten commandments or all the commandments to him. Luke 18, uh, starting in at verse 19, and he, he gets all the way through and he goes, Jesus, I've kept all of those from my youth. <laughs> and so Jesus is like, All right, okay, let's see how this is gonna go. Um Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. What was Jesus saying? You have to sell everything that you have and give it to the poor in order to be safe? No, he was getting to the heart of the matter. This man was rich and he was greedy. He had sinned, but he was not willing to admit it. And so Jesus gives him an assignment. What does that guy do? He walks away exceedingly sorrowful, and the Bible says because he was very rich. So Jesus got to the heart of it. But man struggles to admit his condition before God. And, you know, we have a world full that struggles. And no amount of money in any sort of ad can change the fact that you must come to a realization that we are all sinners before a holy God. And the He gets us mentality is simply saying your sin is okay, it's okay. And he affirms you. He knows where you are. And all this, all this division, that's, that's not, Jesus didn't teach hate. He gets us all. He washed feet and so on. And I, I'm thankful Jesus, uh, what is Romans 5.8? says, but God commended his love toward us and that while he is yet sin- uh, we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He did teach that he does hate sin. He does hate sin. And uh, I believe a lot of that is because he sees the consequences of, of sin upon his creation. So we cannot receive the atonement that Christ provides until we've recognized that we are indeed sinners. The school, ma- on the law is a schoolmaster that brings us to Christ. In Galatians 5 and 23, the progressive culture wants Jesus to affirm them. They don't want his atonement, they want affirmation. And uh, we just must realize that as we engage this culture. But also, understand this, that In man receiving Jesus or getting Jesus, it starts with understanding our condition before him, but it must come down to accepting him as the Bible says that he is, accepting Christ. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. What does it mean to receive, to take to yourself, to accept, to accept? And I'm looking across this room, I know in your lives, there's been a day where you've accepted Jesus Christ. And on that day, the Bible says, you became a child of God. That's that's what every person needs. And friends, inside of that relationship, there is an affirmation that the world cannot even describe. When you talk about what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter, uh, I forget which chapter it is, but that we're accepted in the beloved. Talk about... Talk about full acceptance in Jesus Christ. Not because of me, but because of Christ. And I'm I'm identified with him, and his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Talk about a place of rest. What a beautiful place. When we get Jesus, we're saved by grace through faith. When we get Jesus, we become a child of God. When we get Jesus, we're born again. When we get Jesus, we, we receive everlasting life. We become new creatures. We're passed from death into life. We're created in righteousness and true holiness. We're, we're justified by faith and have peace with God. And so much more. You can go down through those references, and I encourage you maybe to look up some of your own, but when we get Jesus, when he comes to live in our hearts by his Holy Spirit, uh, we get so much, and we have, we have that, that, that constant presence in our life, the uh, the Bible says the, the presence of the Holy Spirit comforting us and telling us, you are mine, and I'll never leave you or forsake you. So when we get Jesus, we get everything that we're looking for, and that's what the progressive culture does not understand. But we must not, we must not be budged from that. The gospel is good news, and it is good news for every man, even, even our culture. The Bible says, Second Corinthians 5.21, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, all of our sin, everything that's all the the hatred and the guilt and the the murder and the lying and the deception and that we find in our culture, all of that, he became sin for us. He didn't know that. He wasn't identified with that so that we could be made the righteousness of God in him. That's what our culture needs. The preaching of the cross is foolishness to them that perish, the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 1.18 it's foolishness. So, think about this. It's to them that perish, it's foolishness. But it's a bad day when the church begins to think that the preaching of the cross is foolishness. When it's just a silly message and we got to help it out. It needs, it needs some help. And, and, and God didn't know what he was, was doing when he gave us this message to proclaim. Now, we ought to be wise in how we, we present it. We ought to grow in that. We ought to use tact. We ought to speak the truth in love, don't you agree? But we don't have to change the gospel in order to present it to a lost and dying world. And let's be very very careful not to get lured with a with a version of Christianity that is trying to reshape the message and make it pop in front of this culture. Let's stay right on target. And what's our mandate? The Bible says in Mark 16:15, go into all the world and preach the gospel did not say go into all the world and tell them that Jesus gets them. Now, we, we have to help people understand that Jesus does know you and he understands you. But the main message is the good news of the gospel. And when we fail to give the gospel, we fail to give them life. We fail to give them rescue. And uh, that, that burdens my heart. If you want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you'll see a description of the gospel. It says, moreover, brethren, 1 Corinthians 15, 1, I declare unto you the gospel. It means good news, which I've preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now verse 2, by which also ye are saved. So it means if we withhold the message of the gospel or change the message of the gospel, we're actually withholding salvation. That's a problem, don't you agree? That's a big problem. And wouldn't, wouldn't, you, wouldn't you say that Satan would be interested in that? Right, it just changed the message a little bit. Shape it a little bit. Um, why? Because it withholds salvation. If ye keep in memory what I've preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain, unless your, your belief is empty, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which also I received. This is an authoritative message that's been received, how that Christ died for our sins, for our sins. It was interesting, as I was looking through their, um, their statement of belief, how that they did not mention that he died for our sins. They mentioned that he died and rose again, but they did not mention that he died for our sins. Well, that's a pretty important part. He died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve, and it goes on to speak of the five hundred, and then of Paul the apostle born out of due time. So let me leave us with this verse. Romans 1.16, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. We ought not be ashamed of its message. It does not need help. It only needs spoken. Now, are there, are there some believers um, or people that have preached the gospel and preached it in an, in, a, uh, in an unloving way? Sure. But it doesn't mean the gospel doesn't work. And so, my point in bringing this up tonight is we don't We don't need to go f- much further than here just to be be aware that this is something that people are thinking about, and if you come across someone at work that saw this and said, "Man, that was such a wonderful thing don't 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 take and repreach this all oh, that was an awful, awful act, take them to the next step. Yeah, Jesus does understand you, but take him to the next step, but the most important thing is that you get Jesus. Do you understand Jesus? and help them to understand what Jesus came to do for them. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit gracekettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.